0: All right, back out of here on the fan. I told you guys yesterday my mom was coming to town. My mom's in town today. I went to the grocery store. It's funny, this person complimented my Jordans that I was wearing heading into the grocery store. That made 10-year-old me happy. Told you, sometimes you do things for 10-year-old you. I, I wear and buy Jordans because it makes 10-year-old me happy. I also had the first interaction of, I can't believe somebody just said that out loud while I'm holding my baby. Had not had this happen before. They say, we're in the grocery store. The grocery store was as grocery stores are, I like a modest 72 degrees. You know, like, I, I'm going to have to ask Sid Capone when he calls in later tonight what they keep the temperatures at grocery stores at, but I felt fine. It was very, it was okay, and what they taught me in all the different books I read about babies was that it, basically if you're in a T-shirt, they can be in a T-shirt. If you're in a hoodie, they should probably be in something long sleeve as well, and you go from there. So I'm walking with my mom. We are going through one of the aisles and this, this older lady comes up to us and goes, that baby is cold. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to, you're going to tell me what my baby is as far as the temperature. I didn't know what to say. I, didn't. I was so shocked in the moment. And it's one of those things where like after the fact, you put together what they even said to you and you're just, yeah, because in the moment, I just smiled and moved on. Honestly, it just caught me so off guard, I didn't know what to say, I didn't know what to think, and then like 30 seconds later, after me and my mom give each other this look of like, did she really just say that? And then obviously we go and just talk our crap about the lady, uh, because that's what you do with your mom in that type of situation. We were both like, oh my gosh, should we have said something in return? Should we have told this this older lady, like, hey, mind your own business. The baby's fine. Was I, I At the time, I thought about turning my card around so we can get in another confrontation with her so I could say something, like, really just nasty back in return to almost be like, mind your own business. But I, I was so shocked by it all. And also, I'm a very non-confrontational humor to, uh, human to begin with anyway. It's not really my jam. So, like, there's a lot of things at play there that was never going to happen. It blew my mind. Never had that happen in public. And it's not like I take my my baby out everywhere. She's been around for five and a half months. We haven't gone everywhere. But I've just never had anyone openly be like giving me advice on how to raise this kid. I thought she was going to come up when she was approaching and was going to say what most people say, which is very nice. Like, oh, what a sweet looking baby that is. What, uh, how adorable, how old is she or he? Because my my baby girl's not grown enough hair. Sometimes she looks like a boy. It's okay. It's I mean, she's got like long eyelashes, but it's five and a half months. You call the baby, you call her a he, I don't get offended. It's not like she's, you know, we put her in a lot of pink clothing to try to negate that. That's the answer there. She's wearing a blue shirt today. It would have been an honest mistake. But yeah, I, I, I had no idea it's like how incredibly rude of this person so anyway, outside of that, it's been a pretty nice day. And then I had the incident earlier today with my, with my second screen for my computer and we've been battling, but I had a great first hour talking with you guys. Odyssey rewind. Really, actually, I love the topic. I think the topic's great. I think the conversation was great in regards to Joe Burrow and the Browns and what you would do for week one. So Odyssey rewind. Go back and listen to that one. We had a lot of fun there on Twitter. You can find me. I am at JP. Now this one escaped me yesterday. And it didn't escape me because I intentionally avoided it. Honestly, the the Ahmed Rosario news just kind of knocked any sort of Elijah Moore discussion we were going to have and just kind of kicked it out. I I I planned on talking about Elijah Moore yesterday because that felt like the theme of yesterday was an Elijah Moore discussion about what his impact can and cannot be. And I'll, I'll credit the morning show on that one. They got the ball rolling on it. I thought they had a very good discussion on it in general. I think Lima's take on it is... Maybe not the norm, and that's probably what I like the most about it. I don't know why we're living with the assumption that Elijah Moore is just set up to be great. And I think it's interesting because we paid a second-round pick, and when we paid a second-round pick for him, to a man, every draft scouting guy that we had on said, you're not getting a wide receiver in the second round that is better than Elijah Moore currently is. That was enough for me. I said, okay, fine. You you, What you did right there, you drafted a wide receiver in the second round, and then obviously you drafted an actual wide receiver in the third round. In my eyes, Andrew Berry spent this offseason spending the top two draft picks he had on wide receivers, as he should. Deshaun Watson should get some weaponry. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But I do find it fascinating that there's just extremely high expectations attached to Elijah Moore. The second-round pick is part of the reason why there's high expectations, I thought I was getting on early when I wanted to wax poetic about how good I think Elijah Moore could be. Turns out everyone's already been riding on, you've already inhibited that island. You've already taken up real estate there. I'm I'm last to the shore. I kind of feel like Lima over the previous couple days where I'm just like, okay, I guess everyone is just convinced he's going to be good. When did we all get together and have this discussion? I've been talking every night with you guys for months about this Browns offseason, about different expectations with different players. I look back in my notes. We did a full-blown Elijah Moore discussion about a month and a half ago. I got all sorts of research on it. I got all sorts of different uh, commentary. I went back and looked at it. It's all right there. We did it. But I don't remember people talking about Elijah Moore the way they have in the previous 24 hours, the way that... When we apparently did this conversation a month, month and a half ago, it not enough for me to be like, wow, can't believe you guys are really, really in love with Elijah Moore. Hey, you guys liked Elijah Moore. I didn't know you loved Elijah Moore. 216474 to below 92. So are we putting high expectations on Elijah Moore? You know, earlier today, people were wondering if he should be the number one as opposed to Amari Cooper. And I'm like, have we, have we lost the plot of the movie? Elijah Moore, in my estimation, is. I mean, he's more than a flyer. That's a second round pick. You want return off of that. But if he puts up Donovan Peoples Jones production in year one with the Browns, I'm not going to be crying over it. I'm going to think that's all right. Warren Sharp on afternoon drive earlier today spoke about Elijah Moore, and we'll put him in the fan category here. He liked him a lot. Here we go. I don't know why
1: Elijah Moore wasn't working out in New York, but I certainly like his talent. I think that he could be a weapon down inside of the red zone just because of the crispness uh, of his route running. But certainly we're going to see a higher ceiling from Elijah in Cleveland just because he's with Deshaun Watson. Even if Deshaun isn't you 2020, 2019 Deshaun Watson, he is going to be better than what Zach Wilson was last season.
0: That's true. I mean, if Jack's a football to go play 11-on-11, 11 11. he's going to be better than that Uber Eats driver Zach Wilson was. My goodness. I mean, sheesh. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, strong statement there, Warren. He's going to be better than Mike White, Zach Wilson, and the statue that is Joe Flacco at a million years old. It's not really going out on a limb. But I liked what he had to say. And I honestly, I, there's a lot from Warren that I liked that we're going to get to a little bit later on. I just think the Elijah Moore discussion is fascinating. He's going to be able to get passes and spades here, you would think, but it also gives the Browns the part that was less traveled in the discussion in the past 24 hours. Even though it's a second-round pick, because the Browns have so many different wide receivers, they have so many different options where if he wants to throw a hissy fit after a win like he did in the Patriots game where the Jets beat the Patriots and then he was complaining about it afterwards, then okay, fine. Don't worry about it. You can go sit in the corner. we got 12 other wide receivers that we can make this work with. You can figure it out from there. I'm not saying you abandon them. I'm just saying uh, maybe you're quick to go ahead and punish Elijah Moore if you feel like that would be necessary. But honestly, I just feel like Elijah Moore is going to not only want to be here, he's going to be getting a lot of passes, he'll be getting a lot of targets, and that's honestly all he wanted. Think about how weird his situation was. He went from year one being the bell of the ball, them getting Garrett Wilson, to then year two, them basically just forgetting he existed. I saw a stat earlier today, it was from Bill Barnwell of ESPN, mentioned how he was one of the highest amount of routes run in the NFL last year with the fewest amount of targets thrown. He was out there running. He's basically getting cardio is all he did. Most games he was just out there uh, catching a sweat, getting some runs in, while the Jets just completely used him as a decoy. And then when he wasn't used as a decoy, he was just wandering around out there uh, like he's Moses, lost. Cause he just, he, he had no use for him. They decided they didn't want to use him in the way that at least Elijah Moore thought he should be used. He was perceived to be mad at the Patriots game. He's got all sorts of different, uh, fun quotes if asked about his chemistry with Zach Wilson. Like he is, he's a something. Goofy personality, jokes with reporters. I think he's going to be fine here, more than fine. But I do, I do find the whole situation fascinating. Deshaun in Cleveland up next on the fan. I love Deshaun. Hey,
2: what's going on, JP? Oh, what's up, man? Hey, man. Listen, I just think you know we we do this a lot. Um, we put a cap on guys, right? Like uh, like Lyman, what he did, and that's it. Just, that pissed me off. What he did, <laughs> he put a cap on 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 what Elijah Moore can do due to what he did in the past for the past two three years, right? And it's like that's the same thing we did with Jacoby Brissett, right? Oh, he he's not a starter. He He's just a backup. He's going to be less than average. You know, he played top ten quarterback last year, right? But we all thought that what they, he They did, did at pass. one point
0: have a top-five offense under Jacoby Brissett. yes. Yeah, it was crazy. Hey, I think that – you think we went to the playoffs? By yards. By yards. I'm not – like, that's not an opinion. That it's just strictly yeah. by yards. I need to make that clear. I'm not – I don't want people to be yeah, like, how
2: dare you? But, yeah. I got you. But, but, listen, I think we might have went to the playoffs if Jacoby would have stayed in the no. whole game. But so that's, that's Let's cool. not get crazy. That's that's not but, no. <laughs> I just think we just, you know, I think I think more. Um, what's the guy? Percy Harvin. Remember Percy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wes Welker. Um, he's got, like, these guys that are just, I think he's going to get more balls than Hooper. I te- and I'm not saying he's birthday, he, he better. Saying. He better? Wait, do you, you mean, who do you mean? You mean Harrison Bryant? I oh,
1: think
2: oh then Hooper. Oh, I thought you said Hooper. I
0: was like, Austin Hooper's not on the team, Deshaun. I was like, what's going on here? Then Cooper. Oh man, yeah. I don't know about that. You see, I, I, something, I think something wrong happened if he gets
2: more, more balls than Amari Cooper does. No, he's going to be in that slot now. I mean, listen, remember, Walz Walker wasn't their best receiver, but he was in that slot with a lot of mismatches. You know yeah, what I mean? But like, like
0: yeah. Amari is one of the highest targeted receivers every single year. He had 130 targets last year. He hits 130 every year.
2: Well, you know what? I could be wrong about that, Dan. No, I definitely could be wrong about That's that.
0: That's all right. Damn. Hey, I, but I love the optimism there, Deshaun. Like, like ideal world. Amari gets 1,200 yards, and, uh, you know, Elijah Moore's got, like, close to 1,000. Ideal world. I think they both got over a 1,000. How about that? Would love to hear it. Would love to hear it. It'll right. be great. We have a great year, baby. Have thank, a good one. thank you, Deshaun. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, I mean, that's – I would love more than anything the idea that you didn't have to rely on Donovan Peoples-Jones to be some sort of star. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a little wonky. We can admit it at some point. It's a little out there that we have come so dependent on a six round receiver in Donovan Peoples Jones. I like DPJ. I do. I don't know that we should be putting so many eggs into the DPJ basket. That's all I'll say on that. I like putting more into Elijah Moore. I like putting more into Amari Cooper. I like going down that road. I really do. I think that's a good investment. you got to have wide receivers to win these days. There's no doubt about that, though. Having a plethora of options and and different people to go to, it's not a bad thing. Stefanski spoke earlier today on Elijah Moore, his skill set and his versatility. Here it is. In order to be versatile, you got to line up all over the place. So I tell you, just intelligence first of all. With some of our players, the more you can do, we're going to do it for you. But you got to be able to line up, and you got to be able to, hey, you're playing the X this play, and then you're playing the Z the next play. So that in of itself is is a high bar to clear, and and he's great at that. And then physically, I mean, you guys see he's both quick, he's fast, he's got very, very, very strong hands. He's competitive. There's the versatility piece of where he can line up, but just the different jobs he can do because of his skill set just is impressive. He's that we really do see positionless, and that you can line them up outside the numbers, inside the numbers, uh, really no limit to where you can line them up. He did that fun coach thing that I love—that every football fan knows the difference between, and every football fan understands when I say it. But if, but if you told a non-sports fan, they'd be confused. He's both quick and he's fast. I love that. And so it's because you tell somebody that never watches sports the difference between quick and fast, they look at you like you got a banana tape to your forehead. But like with that context, everyone knows exactly what he's talking about. It's so funny to me. I I have high expectations for Elijah Moore. I really do. I think the beautiful thing about this offense though is that it's set up in such a way where even if you have somebody like DPJ or Elijah Moore and then Joku injury, something like that, if something happens to one of the main characters not named, Amari Cooper, you can withhold it. I think they're built. As long as Amari Cooper is healthy, that's why we're keeping track of what happened at the Greenbrier, but as long as he's healthy, I think this team will be in all right shape. I think without Amari Cooper, we got a different story, but I think with Amari Cooper, we got enough guys in the back. Elijah Moore, DPJ, and Joku, somebody will step up in a big way. I, I really do believe that. I right, leave that there. We're coming back. Let's go to Big Ten Media Days. Brendan Gulick, our buddy, hanging out with Harbaugh, hanging out with Ryan Day, so many different contents and, and different things to get into there. Is Ryan Day off his rocker when it comes to trying to move the game? Is my disdain for Jim Harbaugh grown in 48 hours? we got a lot to touch on. Brendan Gula joining us next. It's Overtime with Jonathan Peterwin here with you on The Fan. All right, back into here on The Fan. It is Overtime with Jonathan Peterwin. Solid hour 15 to start off the show. All about the Browns. Good Joe Burrow discussion in the first hour and what you do in week one. If Joe Burrow, if you had your druthers, obviously, you know, you're rooting for Joe Burrow's health, but take that out of the equation for a second uh, because a uh, prayer circle, we're not healers. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but if you had your druthers and you have to play in a hypothetical, would you rather take the backup quarterback situation? In week one, or would you take on a healthy Joe Burrow and go off of what a win against the Bengals with Joe Burrow would mean in pushing forward the momentum for the rest of the season? We did that all in the first hour. Odyssey, rewind, go back and listen to that. But now let's go out to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Brendan Gould joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, been a little while. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It has been a little while. Why has it been so long? You just been golfing
1: everywhere? <laughs> You know, life's a little chaotic these days. Uh, certainly, there's been some golf. But, uh, that's part of it. Uh, yeah, getting married next weekend. So, you know, wow. got a lot going on trying to plan for that, amongst other things. All, all good.
0: Let me tell you, I'm jealous of your golfing life. I think you you, you live a great golfing <laughs> life. Uh, so, you're getting married next weekend. Wow, that really snuck up on everyone, didn't it?
1: Snuck up on everybody. Funny, it's been... <laughs> been engaged for three years. I feel like I didn't
0: sneak up on anybody. I, on you. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like last <laughs> time. about this up on me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we talked about it. When we went golfing, we went out to Sleepy Hollow. We talked about it. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we're getting married here, a year or so, whatever it was. And I, I, yeah. I feel like I've been, I've been thinking about your wedding, and, and we've discussed your wedding, but then I'm like, to, to see it actually be a weekend away seems like, you know, it just feels like one of those things that we were just going
1: to talk about forever, Brendan. I'm
0: going to be honest with you.
1: Uh, there were definitely moments I wondered if uh, if it was ever going to get here, but yeah. we had kind of planned on a longer engagement. It wasn't a wasn't a surprise that it took this long. We were living in two different cities for a while and knew it was going to take a while to plan it. and It's uh, just exciting that it's finally just about here.
0: Oh, that's great! Everyone needs to go at their own pace. As long as you're not one of those people that's like you know, ten years we're going to be engaged. As long as you're not one of those people, <laughs> then uh, then you're
1: fine. Oh, it's been great. It's been great. Any, any,
0: can I give you advice?
1: Okay, uh, advice. This is, sure, I don't know, what I'll take it. But I'll listen to it. Yeah,
0: this is the advice no one's going to give you that I need to give you. Okay, that's <laughs> all. So be good. Everyone's going to tell you to make sure that you stay sober and to make sure that you remember all the moments and make sure that you don't get too <laughs> wasted and you don't have too many drinks and and hey, monitor those drinks. And that's going to be the advice everyone tells you. I'm here to tell you do. A little bit of the opposite. I was too sober for my wedding, okay? Like, I remember all of it. It's all great. Everything's nice and all that. But around, like, 10 o'clock or so, after I got done with the vows, after I got done with the dancing and everything like that, you know, like, the first dance and all that stuff, I should have really let the hair down. And I didn't, because I just want to be sober for the whole entire
1: thing. About 10 o'clock, let loose. Let loose. Well, right. That, uh, you know, that's not the worst advice I've ever heard. I'll, uh... I'll tell you what, come like 10.30, I'll think about it, and I'll be like, you know, Jonathan told me to have another, uh, another gin and tonic, so maybe we'll just do that.
0: Yeah, I think you Are you doing the, uh, <laughs> the the drinks for the different sides, the husband and, and the wife drinks, or no? Uh,
1: we've actually got one special signature cocktail, which is really kind of fun. I won't give away the the, the full-blown recipe on the air, but uh, there's a drink in my family that we've had for a long time. Uh, it's a lot like a Manhattan, but not quite. It's, it's sort of a mix of... A whiskey and a rye, and some ginger ale, and um, you know fruit garnish. I like, and, I uh, like that. Been in like my that. family for a long time. They're delicious.
0: I had a version of that. It was called the John Haddon. That was my specialty drink. So oh, we're, I like we're that. playing in the same ballpark. Uh, all right, Brennan. Um, you do a lot with the Guardians before we get to the Big Ten stuff because you you're at Big Ten Media Days. First blush reaction to Rosario and the deal with Syndergaard. I, I tend to think it was a uh, the deal the Guardians had to make.
1: Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, I also feel like it was a deal they had to make. It probably wasn't a deal that was super easy for them to to swallow because, look, Rosario has been horrendous defensively. Um, But he has been one of your most stable offensive players the last year and a half. And so, you know, I, I don't know that there was this great rush to get him out of town, But you needed to feel like there was a chance that if you dealt him, you were going to get something of good value in return. And when you're trading a player that has, you know, he he has shown some promise, but also has a, a deficiency, the way Rosario has been, you're probably not going to get back somebody that is, you know, too much better than what you gave up for it. It's all about fit. Well, the Dodgers really wanted to off, you know, to to get rid of. Noah Syndergaard and his contract um, and the Guardians kind of need some stability on the pitching side. I know it's been perhaps a little better than we anticipated given how much uh, trouble the pitching staff has been in this year with with you know their health problems. The reality is if Syndergaard can get back to where he was this feels like an absolute steal. But I don't know that anybody is you know, feeling like that's a slam dunk, mm-hmm. that he's going to be the guy that we used to know when he was tearing it up in, in New York. So the combination of, okay, you're going to get a guy who certainly, when he's right, he's really good. He just hasn't been right for a bit. You get him back, and you finally get to say, okay, we've had all this time and energy invested into Arias and Freeman and Rocchio, who's basically been just stuck in AAA, it's time to see what you got in those guys. And they've been among your best. I realize Arias has been here, you know, for a while now, but mm-hmm. those three players have basically been three of your five or six best prospects in the organization for a while. So it's time to see if that's part of the future or not. Um, Rosario was a good player. He was a good clubhouse guy. I thought it was apparent last year when they didn't extend him in the off season, that he wasn't going to be the long term solution. Um, it was nice that he still had a decent slash line, and, and obviously last year he was a good offensive piece, but it just didn't turn out to be you know, the guy that maybe we hoped would be Francisco Lindor-esque. All
0: right, Brendan, we wanted to have you on because uh, Big Ten media days are going on, and there's just been a ton. And I'll, I'll start with you. I texted you earlier. I said, I said, I have so much Jim Harbaugh disdain, and I, I think part of the reason why <laughs> – so the four game suspension comes out and all these people are like, oh, it's about the burgers. It's not about the burgers. You can't lie to NCAA investigators. But it's really not even that. To me, it's just it's the idea that Harbaugh and, and all the fans of Michigan, they just they think that they're holier than thou. And Harbaugh, wasn't. you're no better than anybody else. You, you handle. You were awful during the Dr. Anderson thing. Not suspending Mozzie Smith after that situation with weapons that landed him a felony charge, and then you know ended up on the plane. The, the Donovan Edwards situation. We can go on and on, but for some reason he keeps putting himself in these situations where he just gets a pass by everyone, and it's it's misdirection of the highest order here, Brendan.
1: I agree, and it's look. It's easy to dunk on a guy when you've got his number, and for so long Ohio State had had you know, embarrassed Michigan on the field that it just felt like, you know, if you were Michigan, you were a, as a fan, you felt like a punching bag. Now you're like, Hey, Buckeye fans, you're, you're not the hunted anymore. You're the hunter. Cause we're the, we're the two time defending conference champs. And so that's going to draw some more criticism, but I, I, I'm not trying to slander the guy. I just don't think Harbaugh is a super likable dude. He's not, he's not even close to being on my list of favorite coaches. Um, and I do have a problem with a coach that lies to the NCAA. I don't it's like the it. one thing you can't do, Brendan. Like we've—it's yeah. time and time the, again. Recruiting violation itself wasn't that big a deal. It, no, it was just it copped was to wrong. It. You But shouldn't have done it. But it wasn't that big a deal. That's the—that's the, that's the first, point,
0: though. Lie. That's the point is that he just copped to it. It's not a big deal. But he just continues to think that he's above it all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, it, it really rubs me the wrong way, and I'll tell you right now, there are a lot of people in Columbus that are not too happy about that.
0: And, yeah, and, and they'd be right. They'd be right in that, in that assessment. I mean, think about it. Think about just through the history of just different people that have gone through lying to the NCAA. Bruce Pearl, Tennessee head coach with Aaron Kraft, right? You, you remember that story? Got three years oh, of yeah. show calls for lying about having Aaron Kraft at a barbecue. He told investigators he wasn't there. Photo comes back. Obviously he was there. You lost his job. Lost his job because you can't lie to investigators. Kevin O'Leary, UConn head coach, same scenario. Like this is what you. But but the the big problem is that Michigan fans for years went around acting like Jim Tressel was the worst dude in the world for pants and a tattoo. Oh, Tressel got in trouble because he lied, and that, that is what happened. But it's okay. It's 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 one of those scenarios where you are like, well, all right, you can't get on Trestle anymore. Your coach is no better in this regard.
1: It, uh, it it's so frustrating what college athletics and, and certainly college football um, are becoming, you know, it's it just as, as the year passes and as the off season keeps moving along, it's just like one thing after another of, man, this isn't the sport that we used to know and love and there's nothing you can do about it. It ain't going to change. Um, you know, now you, it almost feels like you've got these collectives that are running the sport because, federal government has made it pretty clear so far they're not going to figure out a way to, to help put up guidelines with all the NIL stuff. I actually thought Tony Petiti, the new commissioner for the Big Ten, that his comments around NIL um, yesterday at, at Media Day were pretty poignant when he said, "I I support unlimited, true NIL, but most of what's going on right now is not about a student-athlete's marketing rights and their ability to just have a big reach because their social media platforms are, are that large. Um, it's, it's becoming this pay for play model, whether fans realize it or not. Um, some fans are more tuned into it. Others are just like that. Eh, whatever. When football season gets here, I'll pay attention. But th- there are, there are so many bad actors in this space <laughs> and uh, it's really hard to feel like everybody's on the same playing field. And in some ways, man, the, the, the schools that are trying to do it the right way are falling behind because other schools are being a little shady about it, and they're getting ahead. You sound
0: hurt by it, Brendan, a little bit. I know you love the sports yeah. so much; it just seems like it's, it just changed too much for it you is. here.
1: It's it's frustrating, you know. It's i it, in a lot of ways, man. I'm, I'm a purist. I love competition. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of you know you got a set of rules that everybody plays against, and you're trying to compete to get better. And when not everybody is playing by the same rules, I mean, I realize that's life. Like that happens. That just sucks. And at college sports, like that was the, that was kind of the last thing that wasn't tainted by professional athletics. And like, let's not kid ourselves right now. College football is not amateur football. It's, it's professional football under the guise of, you know, being played in this amateur model. It's, it is frustrating. It is for sure.
0: No doubt about that. Uh, Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, Ryan Day teased about it not being played to end out the season. I'm going to fall in an, in a, a not popular spot here, so I need to lay it out for you first. When they got rid of the divisions, I I thought that it was going to make the game devalued uh, if you played back-to-back weeks. You know, in football, in college football, it's so hard to beat somebody two weeks in a row. I, I like when the game matters. I like when the game matters for the entire season. I like the importance being on there. So I'm not anti this, but I know a lot of people around the university and a lot of people that really care about the Buckeyes have staked it in a way that I just don't. Really despise this idea, Brendan. What do you make of it? Yeah,
1: I I uh, I agree with you in the sense that I want the game to always have meaning because so many things around Ohio State football are changing, and and the tradition and the the ambiance around how you feel as a Buckeye fan is changing a little bit. No matter when you play Michigan as an Ohio State fan, you're always going to hate Michigan, but it's more fun when the game has more meaning. And to your point, what Ryan Day was getting at was, look, if we play the game the last week of the regular season, and then, you know, let's say there's an example where it doesn't matter because both teams are going to finish first and second in the league and you're both going to the conference championship game. So you play each other again the next week. Depending on what the national landscape looks like, theoretically – it's possible they could play each other again in the college football playoff in round one. You want to play the same team three times in a row? That's outrageous. That's just stupid. So obviously you can't schedule thinking that all three of those things are going to perfectly line up, but you could guarantee that you won't play the same team three times in a row. And you could guarantee that quote unquote, the game has the meaning and the attention that it deserves by not playing it in the final week of the regular season. So, as as disappointing as it would be to see it kind of fall away from that, you know, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, um, I am inclined to say, yeah, if there's that conversation being had, I would support it being played earlier.
0: Brendan, tell people where they can find your, your work on college football and the Buckeyes.
1: Uh, lots of places. Buckeyesnow.com is where we cover all the latest, uh, you know, news and info from around Ohio State's program and all their alums. Um, all of our social media channels are at Buckeyes Now underscore FN. We're, uh, Foundation as part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group. Uh, and the Buckeye Breakdown podcast is available, uh, as a live stream on YouTube, but also wherever you like to get your favorite podcasts. Uh, put up an episode yesterday about just our reaction to, um, what we had going on at, in uh, Indianapolis at day one of Big Ten Media Day. And, um, we've got some really fun things planned for the fall. So hope, uh, hope you'll check it out. Buckeyes Now.
0: Brennan, great insight as always. Uh, enjoy the wedding. More importantly, enjoy <laughs> the signature cocktails around
1: ten thirty. Okay,
0: I will. I will,
1: and I will send you a picture on my honeymoon <laughs> of playing Kapalua. How's that? Sound? <laughs> that sounds fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Brendan. Best of Take luck. Care. All right, good See stuff
0: you. right there with Brendan Gulick at the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Outline. He knows what I want. He's like, hey, I'll send you the golf photos. Hey, golf on the honeymoon? How about that? How do you swing that? that as the one thing my wife told me. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't as much of a golfer as I am right now then. I still, well, you know, I was getting into it at that point. But as a one, that was the one thing. See, Brendan laid that down early. He's like, no, my one thing is we are golfing on the honeymoon. My one thing was don't even think about bringing those golf clubs. It is me, you, it is a resort, all the cocktails in the world, but no golf. I said, okay, all right, fine. Uh, 216474 to below 92. I like Brendan's, uh, mentality on that. I, cause I agree with it as well. When it comes to moving the game, I'm all right with it, but I don't know if I have the right reasons why. 216474 to below 92. I don't know that Ryan Day does either. That and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatlin here with you on the fan. That's right, big voice guy. 20 minutes from now, fan focus coming your guys' way. We got off the beaten pad nine o'clock hour. We're gonna do a, do a little Michael Vick. Deshaun Watson convo at 920, but it's for different reasons than you think. It's all on field reasons that happens at 920. You know, I don't I don't think my advice and you know, we got some young, younger gentlemen at the station. Jack's in a uh, very committed, loving relationship. I mean, I don't know how committed or loving. I, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea that way. I, I, I have not investigated too deep into your relationship. The only thing I know about it. Is that, uh, at one point, Dustin gave you guys $100. I was golfing with Dustin and he gave you $100 for, cause he won money. Dustin's good at just breaking off some, some coin if he wins and he gave you $100. And then I saw a photo. I was on the golf course with Dustin and a photo was sent of you as just girlfriend, right? Is it fiance or just girlfriend? Just girlfriend. Just girlfriend. Okay. All right. Fiance around the corner, maybe? Maybe? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Oh, I like that. Okay. I wish there was a little bit more confidence in the, you know, anytime you go, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you got to get that a little, confidence has to be up a little bit more. Hey, Jake, you're single or are you not single? I'm not sure. I am single. You are single. She so got a little bit longer on this one. So both of you guys can take my advice. The same thing I just gave out to Brendan. And I really do believe this. This is not going to be the advice that anybody else would give you. But anybody that's, you know, going to get married in a little bit here, the one advice I would tell you about the wedding day is I just, I think people get it wrong. Everyone tells you to be sober. I was sober as a Jaybird. Okay, I I don't know why, but I was because I was. So, I know why. I was so worried about turning into uh, just a, a drunk on the wedding night. You don't want to be that guy. You don't be a lush on the wedding night. You don't want to be that guy. You want to be the person. You want to be Don Draper. Don Draper for ninety five percent of that show seems like he might be an alcoholic, but he's got it together. And there's the 5% of the show where he just seems like he's an absolute fall-down drunk and it's not great. But, like, be Don Draper in the 95%, okay? Drinks, but knows how to contain himself and then knows how to, uh, to have a good time, but not let it get too far. I'm capable of that. If anybody in life is capable of that, it's me. I don't drink a ton, especially not with the baby now at this point. But when I was drinking... Once a week, typically, I usually got one day off a week, and so I would drink on the night that I worked, and then would be off the next day, so that I wouldn't have to deal with a uh, you know anything for actual work purposes. Right, that was usually what I ended up doing. You know, some of these people, you can drink you know four scotches and then turn around and work the next day. That's not me. I get hangovers and they're bad. So, but I, I'm pretty good. I, I know how to handle my liquor. It's the right way to put that. I know how to handle my liquor. The advice I would give to you guys, though, I was too sober. By midnight, everybody else was tanked, tanked. They'd been ripping up the dance floor. They'd been drinking all night. Signature cocktails by John Haddon got people absolutely blitzed because most people don't drink like I can drink that way, where you have a decent amount of, I like scotch, but, you know, it's bourbon in that instance. You have a decent amount of whiskey, and you get after it. And and a lot of people didn't really see that coming. And so everyone was just hammered out of their mind. And I was so worried about being this 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 fool, this person that was going to seem like I drink a little bit too much. And I was so conscious of all that, that midnight hit and here's all my favorite people in the entire world, everyone I love the most. And they're all in this room and everyone is hammered. And I'm sitting there like, oh, no. Nobody loves being the sober person around a lot of drunks. That's what I was. It was midnight around the people I love the most, and I'm like, huh. You guys are getting kind of sloppy here, aren't you? <laughs> Which would have been great if I was part of the sloppiness, but I wasn't. So I, I would maintain don't get sloppy, don't do that, but have enough of a drinks, enough, of, uh, enough drinks out there to make it seem like, you know, you're not the, 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 the drunk, the, uh, the, uh, the DD, the designated driver at night, uh, driving everyone to get Taco Bell, and then making sure everyone gets home safe. That's the vibe I got at my wedding. It was nice my wife was also sober for the most part. So like she also had the same vibe I had. But it was it was a very similar vibe that we both shared where we were like, oh no. Oh no, everyone is everyone is just they're they're plastered, aren't they? We are not anywhere close to where they're at because we wanted to make sure that we were sober. And we want to make sure that we could remember it all. And honestly, past ten o'clock on, the only thing I remember is being stuck in conversations with people for way too long because they're drunk. So they'll have a half-hour conversation, whereas I'm sober and a half-hour conversation feels like an hour and a half. I'm like, no, you've told that story seven times now. I've been here for ten minutes. So keep pace. Don't get sloppy, but keep pace. That would be the advice that I would give. All right. Jim Harbaugh said some interesting comments today. There's a couple things we didn't actually get to with Brendan uh, because, uh, you know, I got, I got 12 minutes with the guy. I don't got a half hour. It is what it is. He might actually stay for a half hour if I asked him to, but I'm not going to take up his time that way. Jim Harbaugh says J.J. McCarthy is a once-in-a-generational quarterback and compared him to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Here's why... As much disdain as I have for Jim Harbaugh, and I want why I have so much disdain for Jim Harbaugh, there are two people in my mind that made the right move today. Jim Harbaugh is one. Sean Payton is the other. Jonathan, how can you connect those dots? How does that possibly work? This goes back to something I talked about a couple weeks ago. You guys might remember the conversation that we had on that. You might not. I'll catch you up to speed. Don't worry. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for the Vikings, named his top five quarterbacks in the NFL, and he left Kirk Cousins off the list. Kirk Cousins just off the list. Meanwhile, Dallas Goddard put Jalen Hurts top two. And the difference in what I laid out right there is that sometimes in life you just got to lie for your guy. Sometimes in life you just got to, listen, I'm not saying that uh J.J. McCarthy's got to believe it, I'm not saying that Sean Payton's got to believe what he said earlier today as well. But what I do know is that the job of these head coaches or wide receivers, in Justin Jefferson's instance, is to make the people and the quarterbacks that they're around believe like they walk on water. Believe that they're the greatest quarterback they've ever... Think about that comp that he gave out. And J.J. McCarthy's good. He's very, very good, actually. I mean, Kate McNamara won... The Big Ten and beat Ohio State and got benched for J.J. McCarthy in the blink of an eye. That's how good J.J. McCarthy is, okay? Uh, Cade McNamara got his his bags shipped to Iowa and got told to play for the Hawkeyes. Meanwhile, J.J. McCarthy got the opportunity, coming off a season where Cade McNamara accomplished basically everything you could as a starting quarterback at Michigan. Michigan returns 84% of its starting production from the 2022 season. That went 12-1. and They're going to be good this year. There's no doubt about that in my mind. They're going to be good. But the best move that Harbaugh made is comparing JJ McCarthy to a combo of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. This is the stuff you can say for free that costs you absolutely nothing that JJ McCarthy hears and thinks incredible. You know, my boss, for instance, my boss, any one of my bosses can come up to me and tell me, Hey, JP, we love what you're doing. We think you're great. You might just be the next Howard Stern. I know that's not true. I'm not an idiot. There's one Howard Stern. That's the reality. There's one Howard Stern. But you know what? I love the confidence attached to that statement. I love the belief in me attached to that statement. I know it's not true, but I love the belief in me attached to that statement. Sean Payton. I thought Sean Payton was an absolute genius today. Now, yeah, he torched and went after another head coach or former head coach in uh, Nathaniel Hackett in the process, in case you didn't hear the comments, basically said Nathaniel Hackett did nothing in regards to coaching the Broncos last year, and that's why he believes Russell Wilson is going to be great this year. He had to completely toss down the coaching ideologies of Nathaniel Hackett in order to prop up Russell Wilson, in order to justify why Russell Wilson wasn't good last year. It was a genius move. Absolutely genius move. All it takes is just a little comment, just a little I believe in you from one of these guys, whether it's Jim Harbaugh, whether it's Justin Jefferson, whether it's Sean Payton. It doesn't take much. You're not asking for the world. I think this is the type of stuff that I can't wait for Kevin Stefanski to start talking about when it comes to Deshaun Watson because he's done a mini version of this. He hasn't gone the full money, but he's done a mini version of this with Deshaun Watson already. I think he's reserving himself. I think if Deshaun Watson comes out of the gate and is absolutely guns a-blazing, I think he's going to say some things that will blow your mind, and I can't wait for it. I would love at some point in this preseason for Kevin Stefanski to say anything close to what Jim Harbaugh just said about JJ McCarthy or what Sean Payton was saying to help out Russell Wilson or any of these other type of scenarios that we brought up. I would love to hear it. I think it's the, I think it's the perfect recipe in order to let these guys know and let Deshaun Watson know, not only do we think you're great, we think you're one of the best quarterbacks to ever walk planet earth. Almost to the point, I kind of want Stefanski to get cocky with it. Go up there and say Joe who, for all I care, Burrow who, Mahomes who, we got Deshaun Watson. That's a top five quarterback. No, no, that's a top two quarterback in the NFL. And then give your listing, and you can say it's, it goes God, and then Deshaun Watson. I uh, do whatever you got to do. It's it's so easy. And if it doesn't work out, everyone knows what you're doing. This isn't hard. If it doesn't work out, people are like, Oh, you mean a head coach believed in his quarterback? Uh, Keller, me shocked. That's how life works. A head coach believed in his quarterback. Who would have thunk it? Oh yeah. Am I surprised Jim Harbaugh thinks JJ McCarthy is a combination of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? No. He got, he, he just, he threw Cade McNamara to the curb in the process. This is what he's supposed to be doing. But the fact that he put it out there, if I'm K, if I'm JJ McCarthy and I'm reading those comments and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, he thinks I'm who? I'm a combination of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Might as well have thrown Joe Burrow in the mix, too. We can just name every great quarterback on planet Earth and say you're a combination of all of them. It's incredible. This stuff is so easy. So People eat this up like catnip. They live for this type of stuff. So simple. And McCarthy is just good enough to buy into this belief, too. 2,700 yards last year, 22 touchdowns, only had the five interceptions. The Fiesta Bowl loss to TCU's gotta stay with him a little bit because he was, he was so good. 350 yards nearly, uh, it was so good, but he had those two interceptions that went the other way for touchdowns that basically swung the game in TCU's favor. He doesn't make one of those. That game is completely different, but JJ McCarthy came out and balled out last year. 12 and one. He's gonna ball out this year, I would imagine as well. They returned Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, of that starting production from last year's team returns this year. That's why people think Michigan's going to be so good. That's why people have such high expectations with Michigan. But this is the easy stuff. This is the stuff that on July 27th, every coach in the country should be saying about their quarterback. But nobody does it. And that's what I find so fascinating. Because they're so worried about what happens from freezing cold takes. And they're so worried about what happens if it doesn't come true. Put it out there. Smart move by Harbaugh. He's made a lot of dumb mistakes in recent days. Smart move by Harbaugh. Smart move by Sean Payton. I don't hate it. Leave that there. Nine twenty. Michael Vick and Deshaun Watson. It's going to be an on-field discussion. I'll explain how we do that. But 9 o'clock, coming up next, we got to get to the fan focus as we always do. It's Overtime with Jonathan Pino here with you on The Fan.